And I want to talk about unshakable, unshakable. And if you got your Bibles, I, I saw something several weeks ago. I had this scripture and I thought I was going to preach it and I didn't. And it didn't really make sense to me. It's funny how you can read things. It seems foreign in Greek. And I thought I, I heard it. I, I, I was studying it and it was like, yes, yes. And then when I started studying it, preaching, it was like foreign in Greek and I couldn't, I just nothing would come. And, and it's weird how I picked it up this morning. The Lord led me back to it this morning and it just exploded. It just exploded. So I know today is the day that God wants to speak this word today. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 62 and I want to talk about unshakable, unshakable. Listen to, let me pray and then we'll start. Father, we thank you so much, God, for every person here. We thank you for the parents and the grandparents, God, and the family members that have come out today for a joyous occasion. We thank God for James and these girls back here in church today, God. What a remarkable testimony, God. What a place they know that they need to be surrounded by loved ones and family, God. And we're so grateful to be here together today, God. And we just pray, God, that you would just continue to bring comfort and help, God. We pray that you'd speak to us through the Word today, God. We're not just here by chance, God, but the Word of God has something to say to us about the times and the seasons in which we're living, God, in these difficult days that we're living in, God. And I just believe you're going to lift, bring hope to our heart through the Scripture today. We're going to find a way to stand in the midst of the days in which we're living, God, and, 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 and we're going to know that, Lord, in you, God, we, we, are, we have received a kingdom that cannot and will not be shaken. And so we're so grateful for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 62 and verse 1. And I want you to read this with me and look what the scriptures say here. I never had noticed this or seen this, but Psalm 62 and 1 says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be, I never noticed this word here, greatly shaken. Come on. Isn't that a good word? James, I shall not be greatly shaken. I shall not be greatly shaken. The word greatly is what stood out. It stood out to me today. I shall not be greatly shaken. And I want you to not be greatly shaken today, no matter what comes. So the question becomes, so what is shaking? What is shaking? Because, uh, look, it, how many, has anybody ever been through an earthquake, like a real earthquake? We're, we're talking West Coast earthquake. A couple of you. Uh, from what I understand, it's got to be totally unnerving to go through an earthquake. I mean, the ground underneath you that you're so used to being uh, steady in, that you step out. When I step out on my sidewalk each day or on to go to the mailbox or wherever. I don't go many places anymore after COVID. I work at home and about to the bathroom and to the kitchen and to the workroom. And then maybe Marcia let me go to the uh, mailbox once or twice a day. But that, that seems to be my routine now. But when I go outside and I stand on the ground, I know that typically, Daniel, I don't expect the ground to move out from under me. I know that the ground is going to be firm and I know that it's going to be... Uh, there, but if I walked outside or if I felt the room shaking like you guys have felt in an earthquake, I, I know what they say to do. If I know we have tornado uh, drills in the south where you know how to do fire and tornado drills in school. I'm sure if you live out in a place where earthquakes are, you do drills for earthquakes. I think the thing is get out of the building because you don't want the building to fall in on you. Run to an open field and find a place where you can be safe there while the ground is moving. But I can't imagine walking outside and 
the very ground that I'm on uh, just, just shakes and buildings collapse and all of those things. So we take for granted that the ground under us is level and it doesn't move, that we're going to walk out on a firm foundation. And that's our lives, man. Our lives, we, we, we can be just like this in our lives, that we, we can uh, build on our lives on a foundation. And we can build our lives on a foundation if we're not careful. We've just spent a year talking about that, that is not so solid, that we find out when the storms of life or when something like COVID hits, we find out where we've really built our lives and what we've really built our lives upon. The place, you know, a foundation can be the place where you find stability. It can be the place where you find comfort. It can be the place where you find, uh, you know, you, you rest in this thing. And so we can build on a faulty foundation. We can build on a, on a place. We can build our life on a place. We can build our life on a family member. And, and, and suddenly that family member's gone. We can build our lives on a degree. If I just get this degree, my life will be secure and my life will be set forever. If I could just land this certain job, I'll be set and nothing will ever shake me again because I'll be on a solid ground. I'll be on a firm foundation. It may be ministry. I, if I could just be in a ministry, man, my life would be on solid rock. If, we just had, if I ever made it to a pastor or a youth pastor or this or to that, but, but, but just to find out those things don't make good foundation. It could be a church. How many know when the COVID hit, how many people have not gone back to churches and how many churches have shut their doors? I mean, we found our, all of ourselves for a few weeks there worshiping with no church in our homes, right? No church building to go to. They're all locked and we're not able to go to them. So, so, so if we're not careful, our lives can be built on, on, on these foundations that are not the places where we need to build our lives upon and take the total comfort in, in those sorts of things. And in our lives, shaking will come. Shaking is going to come. It's guaranteed that we're going to face much shaking in the world, and especially in the last days that we're living in today. These, these days were spoken of in the scriptures. The Bible, I don't know why we're caught off so off guard by them. I guess our flesh doesn't want to go there, but the Bible said perilous times would come. The Bible said men would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The Bible said that if they hated me, they will hate you, Christ said. The, the Bible told us all of these things beforehand of the days in which we would live and how perilous and how difficult that men's hearts would fail them for fear. I literally think a lot of the deaths we're seeing right now are people who the fear of what is happening today and the perplexities of the hour and the time is coming so great upon people. That's why our pharmacies are so overrun with people that need to have something to relieve the pain or something to relieve the pressure or something to relieve what's going on because the, the problems are getting so immense Yesterday, I told Marcy, I said, it feels like every day we wake up and a new bomb is going off because we get a call every hour from somebody and their life, something is happening, something difficult is happening, something major. You think the last crisis was big, wait till tomorrow, here's coming a bigger crisis, right? And not just one or two crises, they're multiplying and things are happening. And so shaking will come to our, all of our lives. And no one knew shaking better than David. David in the Bible. Nobody knew shaking better than this man. From a young boy, he's watching sheep. And the Bible says that he's out in the, he's keeping uh, watch, like, like they said, when Jesus over the flock by night, right? 
He's watching over these little sheep and he's learning to protect them and he's learning to, to shepherd them and to watch over them. And what happened to David? A shaking occurs because we know at one time at least that he had to fight off a lion. We know that he had to go out and with his bare hands, he had to protect those sheep by, by fighting off a lion. And we know another shaking came when a bear came, the Bible says, and David had to rescue the sheep and protect the sheep and literally fight off a bear with his bare hands. We know that shaking came in this man's life. We know that, that Samuel comes on a certain day to David, uh, uh, to, to, to Jesse, David's father, and he says, hey, the next king is coming out of your lineage. The next king is coming out of your line and out of your house and you want to talk about another shaking bring the boys in and let's line them up and let's see who God wants to pick as king well where is David David's left and you talk about shaking my dad's going to leave me out there and he's only going to bring the good looking older sons out there while I'm stuck out in the field that's a pretty bad shaking I'm going to be pretty ticked and hurt in my heart about that amen and Samuel says hey this can't be all of them because I ain't got the red light you got anybody else? Yeah, go get little ready David out of the field. And he brings David in, and yes, that's the king. That's the king. That's going to be the king. And he grows up, and what do we find out? That while he's still a boy, he goes out at another shaking in his life, another shaking, another difficult time where he goes out, and Goliath is there. He takes some cheeses, and he wants to get a pledge that everything's okay with the brothers and everything's okay with Israel. Send Jesse says, send him out. Get a pledge. I need to have security that my boys are all right, that Israel's going to be all right. Take them some food. Take them some stuff. David comes out. They make fun of him. Goliath is coming down. They're all hiding behind rocks and, and, and afraid and fearful. And all of a sudden, David comes in this shaking moment and says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? I'll go up against this, this guy and I'll fight him. And he goes up against him and fights him. And in the power of the Lord, we know that just with a slingshot, just a little slingshot and a rock, he takes five smooth stones, puts them in his pocket. And with that one smooth stone, he takes takes Goliath down in the power of God, not by might nor by power, but by God's spirit, says the Lord. Amen. And this giant falls down. Well, you'd think that's a lot of shaking in a man's life. Surely that's the end, but that's not the end of the shaking because all of a sudden now he makes friends with Saul and he begins to live in Saul's palace. He begins to play for Saul. And all of a sudden now Saul gets jealous because there David's going out and doing great exploits. And hey, Saul is killed his thousands but David has killed his tens of thousands and now Saul is beginning to get get aggravated Saul is beginning to get jealous and Saul one time even takes a javelin and tries to pin David up against the wall David's having to run for his life he's having to get out of dodge and he's hiding in caves you talk about shaking in a man's life from one day to the next he's having to go to place to place to place just to live just to survive and men start coming to him and they begin to live and come around David because they know one day this man is going to become king of Israel. Amen? Shaking has taken place. So finally David comes to a place and he winds up in a little place where he has some family and where some other people began to gather around him and he makes his home in a place called Ziklag. And in Ziklag, it's interesting because he's running from Israel and he, and he literally has to go down and live with the Philistines. And he begins to actually 
side, it's very difficult to understand. It's a very troubling place in David's life of where he goes and teams up with the enemy of Israel, and he begins to live there with the Philistines. And, and he begins to fight with the Philistines. And all of a sudden, on one particular day, the Philistines are going out, and they're going to fight Israel. And so all of a sudden they say, David, come on, get your men. And I don't know what David's about to do, but they're coming. They're coming out of Ziklag. They kiss their, kiss their wives. That's where they're staying. Kiss their families goodbye. And they begin to take off to go into Philistine. And they're gonna, there's a war that's about to take place with David's people, Israel. And all of a sudden as they're going, somebody there begins to notice and say, Hey, aren't you David? Aren't, are you the guy that killed Goliath? Are, are you? Wait, aren't you an Israelite? Wait a minute, this guy's not going with us. There's no way we're going to let this guy go in there because you know what he's going to do. Y'all know, don't you? You know what he's going to do when the battle gets hot and when the battle gets intensified. He's going to turn on us and he's going to fight for his people and not us. So you got to let him go. And listen, they, they're close to David. The guy trusts him. The king and everybody else trusts him. And he's, and he's trying to fight for it. But eventually he gives up the fight and he says, David, listen, you're just going to have to go on back. Go back to Ziklag. Just let us fight this battle. Don't even get involved with this. So David, when he's going over the hill, as he takes his men and they're leaving the battle, he's probably thinking, I don't want to fight the Israelites anyway. They're my people. And so when he's leaving the fight, but I'm having to run for my life from Saul and to find some place to hide so that I can be safe and live. And so now he's going back to Ziklag in this place where his family, his possessions, and everything that he owns is. And as he's rounding the hill and coming over the corner, he comes over and there's fire and there's all kinds of stuff. And he realizes that they have taken his wives. They've taken the men's wives. They've taken their possessions. They have taken everything from Ziklag. And they, you talk about shaking. You talk about shaking to the core. David and his men are absolutely shaken in this place when they get home to Ziklag and it's burned and it's empty. And let's go to 1 Samuel 30 and let's look at what happens when they go there. Look at what it says. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag, on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid. A different, a different group of people that were enemies had made a raid that were in the land, had made a raid against the uh, Negev and against Ziklag. And they overcame Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. And they killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. Look at what it says in the next verse. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept till they had no more strength to weep. They, they, and David's two wives also had been taken captive. A hundred, uh, whatever, and of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So David comes home to a shaking like no other shaking ever before. And that leads me to my first point. In the moment of shaking, when the moments of shaking come, they, they, they come and in that moment you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. That's exactly what needs to take place when the shaking comes into your life. This is exactly what David did. When, he is, when, he, when he's at a point, Luke, where he is shaken to the core, the thing that he does and it's the thing that you need to do 
the thing you need to do. James and girls, it's exactly what you are doing here today is you are encouraging yourself in the Lord. Look at what it says in verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him uh, because all the people were bitter in their soul, each of his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Listen, he didn't have a Brad moment because you know what a Brad moment is? A Brad moment is when things come like that and I begin to freak out. I begin to panic. I come from a long line of warriors, don't I, Mom? Amen. A long line of warriors. We worried to worry, right, about worrying. And I would have been thinking, what did I do? I'm analytical. I would have started the thinking process. I would have started the worry process. I would have started the what if or why did we do this or all of this. But I love the fact that David didn't do that. David didn't overthink it. David didn't start worrying about it. David didn't start looking back. David didn't say, I'm such a failure. I can't believe I did this. No, the Bible says that when David was greatly distressed, the Bible says that he turned to the Lord and he strengthened himself in the Lord. What I believe David did is he walked off to the side. While all the men are hating him and wanting to stone him and wanting to destroy and kill him and, and hating his leadership, David began to get off the side. And I know that because he calls for the ephod, which is a kind of a prayer, weird prayer garment back in the Old Testament. He calls for that. He begins to get into the presence of God and he begins to talk to God. He begins to encourage himself in the Lord. He began, I believe he's not only there praying, Daniel, I believe he's almost like a Psalms moment where he's writing. Psalms where he's thinking back and remembering the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want the Lord is my shepherd he will lie me down beside still waters he restores my soul for his name's sake yo he puts me in the table of the presence of my enemies and they can't touch me or harm me I eat in the presence of my enemy man he's starting to think about this as he gets with God he's starting to remember hey I one time I was in trouble Tom but I remember the lion was coming but God was with me I remember a bear came and was about to get the the sheep and I was shaking and I didn't need to know what to do I was greatly distressed but God came and there was a time that I came another time and there was a big old giant that I had no heart I had no way to defeat but God said go down there and grab a stone and put it in a sling and sling it toward the enemy and my God God prevailed, and my God's going to prevail again right now. Amen? And so he starts to remember all the times that God was with him. And he starts to praise the Lord. And he starts to encourage himself in the Lord. And he starts to remind himself of who he is and what God has done in his life. And he begins to encourage himself in these places, folks. And many times we will be faced with moments of shaking. But we do that, man. We turn to God. Angie did that the other day. Folks, you don't understand what was going on in that hospital room. Look, she texts my wife on a day or two before she dies. Marcia says, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm hanging out with Jesus. You can't do that with COVID pneumonia. I'm hanging out with Jesus. As they're turning her over, as they're doing all these treatments to try to save her, I'm hanging with Jesus. And she wasn't just hanging with Jesus while she barely has breath in her lungs. She's singing, he touched me. 
Oh, he touched me and all the joy that floods my soul. She didn't say he's going to touch me. He touched me. He touched my life. I was lost. I was undone. I was away from God, but he touched me. And I'm whole and I'm good and live or die. I'm the Lord's. And you don't have to understand everything, but what you heard earlier, everybody gets bent out of shape. I heard somebody speaking in an unknown language, and oh, there wasn't an interpreter. There's something called a prayer language. And the day before Angie was put on a ventilator, she's there praying in tongues and praying to God. And the Spirit of the living God is magnifying the Lord through her body. Friend, I'm talking about in moments of shaking, in moments when hospitals you're facing, with loss of job, when churches are being shut down, that you begin to think back and you begin to remember who you are and what God God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And David began to remember, he's my rock. He's my refuge. He never leaves me, never forsakes me. And that's what we've got to do in these moments. He remembers that he loves me. And, he, and, and his love is, is immovable. It's the steadfast love of God. That's what he writes about here when he remembers. He writes about the steadfast love of God. Do you know what the steadfast love is? Steadfast means unmovable. The love of God cannot be moved. It cannot be changed. It is perfect, folks. It is complete. It's better than you ever have imagined and David understood I can't be shaken because God's love has got me and I'm in his hand and nothing can pluck me from the hand of God his love is steadfast his love is fixed his love is immovable upon his children a few of you look like you believe it and if the rest of you would get it the countenance on your face would shine with the glory of God you look sad but I'm telling you if you get the love of God in your heart you will radiate with the the love of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And you're able to rejoice in your struggle because you know I cannot be greatly shaken. I might be shaken, but I can't be greatly shaken. I can't be removed from his love. Nothing defines you but the word of God. And David knows that. He knows that Satan doesn't define you. My circumstances don't define me. What's going on right now doesn't define me. Uh, it's the word of God that defines me. And his word calls me loved. And his word calls me a son or daughter of God. Amen. We are his children we are the sheep of his pasture and therefore we will not be greatly shaken look at number two in times of shaking God begins to build you and teach you who you are in him it's in the times of shaking that God is doing something he's beginning to build you and teach you who you are in him and to remind you on what foundation you're built on Come on, we just found out at COVID, a lot of us are not on a good foundation. We all freaked out. We all panicked. We all feared. And I'm not saying that's normal, that's natural, that's human. But what are you building your life on? 
What are you trusting in? And we're finding that out. And in the moments of shaking, it's about teaching us that. And the story of David is at Ziklag. And, and, and there's this confidence and this strength that David displays that is very, very interesting. It's very, very amazing. David goes off to the side. He begins to encourage himself in the Lord. And it's like when you go into a moment where you need to encourage yourself in the Lord, you get into a panic. You get into a situation where you're shaken. You get into a place like a hospital where you get the the, the final word that's horrible and you turn and you begin to go alone with God and you begin to pray and you begin to cry out to God and that's what David does he goes into that place and then he comes out of that place being convinced hey God is on my side God is on my side God is on my side if God be for me then who can be against me and no matter what happens to my wife she has eternal life and God is on my side And so that's what he does. He goes in. He encourages himself in the Lord. And he comes out of that place with confidence and strength because God's building a trust in him. God's building something down inside of him. And when he doesn't know what to do, come on, sometimes we go into that place, James, we didn't know what to do the other day. You called me. You said, I don't know. Please come. Meet me at the place. I'm sitting there telling Marcy, I don't know what to do, but I'm going. And we don't know what to do. But you know what? Not knowing what to do and saying that to God is doing something. That's a prayer within itself. Amen? Amen. And David goes into that place and says, what would you have me to do? What do I do now, God? What do I do? My wife, my children, these guys are about to kill me. They hate my guts. I've led them into this place. I don't even know if I led them the right place now. I'm beginning to doubt everything. God, do I go after them? Do I go after these Amalekites? Do I go after my wife and children? Do I fight? Do I not fight? And God gives the answer and he comes back. He says, go after them. You will have the victory and you will recover all. And David gets up. He goes off. He chases these people that have stolen his wife and children. They burned his foundation, his comfort zone to the ground, the Bible says. And he defeats them and he comes back with more than he has before. He comes back with more spoils than he ever has before. And folks, I'm telling you, you're going to come out of this trial stronger. James, I don't understand it. Girls, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get why we go through it. I don't understand it. We go through so many things in this world now we go through so much heartache and through so much pain but I can tell you something God is in control and we're going to come out better than we went in amen hallelujah and so David attacks him and he comes out better so so let the shaking come I mean, if we get our eyes on eternity, let the shaking come. You know what? When you really get to a mature place and know you're growing in the Lord is when you can ask for the trial because you know the trial is actually what is developing us and building our lives. Amen? It's actually when we go into the wilderness. It's actually when we go into the difficult places. It's actually when we take up our cross and follow Him into the unknown places and into the impossible places that in those places God is building character. God is stripping things out. God is refining. Us. God is pruning us. God is doing something in those moments when we're coming apart because I have a relationship with him. Amen? And this strength and confidence that David displayed didn't come from a self-determination. It came from being in the field with the sheep, 
It came from defeating the lion. It came from fighting the bear. It came from facing Goliath. It came from running from Saul. It came from all of these moments. And God began to hear his prayer. And God began to work things into him in the shaking and begin to grow him. And folks, that comes down to something that I want to close with. Psalm 62 that we started with. Interesting. You would think it was written right here, wouldn't you? At Ziklag. I mean, wouldn't you think that would be one of the greatest moments of shaking Oscar in his life? I mean, my family's gone, everything's burned. And this would be the time you would say, Man, John, I won't be greatly shaken. But that's not where he wrote it. And I'm going to share with you where most people think that he wrote it. It was written with Absalom, his son tried to take the throne. Can you imagine a son turning on a father? You talk about shaking. And all of a sudden now, in this place, David's son, his own son, Absalom, comes back from being away. He stands at the gate where they do the business in the town, and he starts talking to the people who are coming out. And he says, so what did the king give you? What was the king's verdict on your situation? Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. There's no way I would have done it that way. You shouldn't do it that way. And he begins to share with him over and over. Absalom starts to steal the hearts of the people away, the Bible says he begins to get a following where everybody likes to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to hear the truth anymore. They don't want to hear from the king, but they only want to hear what their itching ears want to hear. And so they begin to draw Absalom and people like Absalom around and they begin to believe Absalom and Absalom begins to rise in popularity and he comes up with this elaborate scheme to take the throne from his dad or to, or at least to get some of the places from him. And so he begins to get some following and to take some certain areas. And he, and he comes up with this scheme and David knows what's happening and so David begins to get up and starts to leave Jerusalem he gets some of his people and he begins to leave Jerusalem at his time and this is when it is believed that this psalm is beginning to be written and I want you to listen to it because it is amazing that he could write such a thing in this place of great shaking that is going on and it says this for God alone my soul waits in silence from him comes my salvation he alone is my rock. God, you are my rock and my salvation. You are my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. He, he's remembering back to Ziklag. He's remembering back to Bathsheba and the immoral fall that he's had. He's remembering back to killing Uriah. He's remembering back to war over and over again. He's remembering back to Goliath. He's remembering back the lion and the bear. He's remembering running from Saul in the wilderness. And he's writing and saying, "I, you are my rock. You are my salvation. You are my fortress. I will not. If you got me through all of that, you're going to get me through this. I will not be greatly shaken. Amen. And then listen to what he says. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in his falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse the law. For God alone, O oh my soul, waits in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times.
times, James. Trust in him at all times, church. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you. O Lord, belongs your steadfast, immovable love, for you will render to man according to his work. As you read that and remember what David is going through in this moment, how, he, how in the world does this man write those words? He can say it because he lived it. And because he was in a quiet place encouraging himself in the Lord alone with God. God is my refuge. God is my fortress. God is my strong tower. God, and God in that place built this stuff into David's life where now he can literally stand at one of the worst moments of his life and say, God's my salvation. God's my rock. God's my defense. God's my shield. God's my buckler. I know it's shaking. The world is shaking. The ground underneath me is shaking. But Oscar, I will not be shaken. God's got me. God's got me. And with Jesus' last breath on the cross, you remember he's hanging there? And he's dying and they've nailed. They put him in, jo in Joseph's tomb. And in the nails and the hands and in his feet. And the Savior's there in his last gasping breath as he's dying for the sins of mankind. Your sins on him, my sins on him. Cursed is any man that hangs on a tree. Literally becoming the tree of life for us. So that we can return back to God in the garden again. Come back to God. And he's hanging there with his last breath. And he cries this breath on the cross. It is finished. What is finished? The work is finished. And let me go to one last scripture and show you what was going on there. Hebrews 12, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at the next one. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order. Right now, everything that man's made apart from God is being shaken, folks. Don't think it's going to stop. It's going to intensify. Everything that is not built on God is going to crumble down. The wise man built his house on the rock, and the foolish man built his house on the sand. And when the storms came, folks, in the last days, it began to crumble everything that's not built of God. All the kingdoms of this world that are not built. That's why you're seeing the governments of this world crumbling and falling to pieces right now. That's why you're seeing America have the trouble that she's having right now. A nation once built on the foundation of God has lost her moorings and her ways and has come off of that foundation and we begin to build our life on something that will not sustain us in the days of shaking. Amen? We must be on the solid rock of Christ. 
Christ. And so he is removing everything that can be shaken. That is, that has been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Listen to what he goes on to say. Therefore, let us be grateful. Smile. Let us be grateful, Christian, for we are receiving what? A kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. What was the joy set before Christ? Knowing that you have received a kingdom that can't be shaken. The moment you ask Jesus into your life, The moment you receive Christ as your king, the moment you repent of your sins and confess that Jesus is Lord, the moment you receive him into your heart to come and abide and live in you through the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Father and the Son will make their abode with us. They will come in and take up residence in our life, and we will receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And folks, I'm going to tell you, it works. It works, and I'll tell you why I know it works. I heard this just before I was coming out of here. One of my favorite, and I'm going to close, because there's a lot of you didn't come to hear me preach. You came to see what kind of baby you were going to have today, grandparents. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just got through listening to one of my favorite preachers in the world. And how many know, anybody ever take their kids to build a bear? You know what that is? Build-A-Bear used to have it at the Galleria where you go in and you pick a bear out. You pick an image of a bear and and you build that bear. You pick its eyes. You pick its nose. You pick its clothes. You pick everything. And he said something so profound. He said, the church in America, we've created a pick of Jesus. And we've created a church where you get to pick your own image of Jesus. And you get to put the nose you want on him. And you get to put the eyes. If you don't want like a Jesus that doesn't like sin, that eyes are a flame of fire, then you put eyes that you, that ain't my Jesus. I I, know my Jesus, you know, my Jesus is all love. And you pick a different image of a Jesus and you create another Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what, when the fires come in the last day to try us, your Jesus, if he's not the real Jesus of the Bible, will not stand. There's one way to the Father, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's the real Jesus of the Bible, not a made-up one. I don't care what another church or denomination or anybody else. If it's not the Jesus of that Bible, if it's another image or another one. Paul said if we preach anything other than this Christ, then let them be accursed. If we or an angel tries to change this Jesus... What do we do? We change, our, we change his eyes to give him eyes that we want him to see and overlook certain things in our lives. We give him a heart that, that oh, he understands. He, he's like me. We give him a voice and there's always a voice like our voice. That Jesus is not going to cut it in the last days, folks. And how do I know this works? What I preached about an unshakable God Because ever since 1994, this lady and I have lived it. And every time we got shaken, Oscar, from the day this little guy was born, and one of the first times, well, I'll tell you first, from when our lives were a wreck, 
And we were drinking, and I was into lust and all kinds of things I shouldn't have been, and our marriage should have never survived. Jesus got a hold of our lives and put us on a firm foundation. And he began refining us, and he began building us on a good, firm foundation. And then when the storms of life come, and when we begin to have children, how, how are we going to make it? And there's shaking that begins to occur. And my wife says, I can't go back to work. I'm staying home with our kids. And I said, what? Yeah, my world's shaking. You make more than I do. How are we going to make it? And we're being tested. God told me. And how do you argue with God told you? And I began to pray, and God did tell her. And we made it. But the real Jesus got us through. And then we bring home a son. And literally, literally one day I come home, and there's, there's blood in his stool, and we are freaking out as young parents and we don't know what to do. There is a shaking occurring in our life. And we turn to the Word of God where we placed our trust and we go to the hospital. And there just so happens to be the one hospital in Birmingham where we go where they have the specialist who treats this. And they roll my little son in back there. As we hang on to the promises of God, you will not be greatly shaken. And they bring him out and, he, and he's been healthy ever since. And folks, the same thing with my other son when he came along and things begin to be shaken and he breaks his leg and other things go on in his little life and we go and God takes care of us and through all the difficulties of life a flood here, a fire here shaking going on always a grandparent burying of this one going on times that we went through of shaking the real, how do I know it works? because the real Jesus brought us through every storm and James, I hope, I hope I don't have to do what you're doing tomorrow. But if I do, I know, I know the same God that's holding you up right now is going to hold me up. Because I watched this man do it with his daddy. Watch him preach his own daddy's funeral. And I've seen all of you do it. Seen you do some of the most amazing things as Christian believers in this room because Christ is formed in your life. And you won't be greatly shaken. And though the earth moves, and though the mountains shake, and though the rivers roar, roar there is a stream and there's a city where the city of God is. Amen. And it's a great place. And I'm telling you, folks, the trials and tests will come in this last day. We will see more shaking. But if you have the real Jesus, you will not be greatly shaken. So, Father, with every head bowed, every eye closed. If there's one person, God, in this room. And they're fearful today, God. They're fearful of the past. They've never experienced the steadfast love that David experienced. I mean, we're talking about a man that writes about steadfast love that killed a man, put him into the thick of the battle and killed him so he could have his wife. And yet he can write about the immovable God, the immovable steadfast love of God for him. A man that, God, you described as a man after my own heart because he was a man that repented. And dear God, that's the first step into salvation is repentance. 
is as simple as ABC. We, 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 we acknowledge that we're sinful and that we don't deserve God. We believe that Jesus died and buried and rose from the grave in order to pay for our sin debt and pay for what we couldn't pay and then see that we confess our sins and He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess Him as Lord. And Father, if there's one person here today and they say, I'm not on a stable foundation, but I want to be on a solid rock. I want to accept Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, into my life. Because as of right now, Brad, my marriage is shaky. As of right now, my job is shaky. As of right now, my health is shaky. As of right now, I'm pretty much fearful of everything. But if what you're saying is true, I want to be on that foundation that even though when the storms come, that I won't be moved. I won't be moved. I won't be greatly shaken. And so, Father, if there's one here, if, you're, if that's you today, and you just say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to be on that firm foundation. If that's you, would you put your hand up? I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. Thank you, buddy. I see your hand, that little guy. I hope that's genuine right there. Anybody else? Anybody else? You hold your hand up and say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to be on a solid rock and a firm foundation. I don't want my life to be shaken. In Christ, I have a, a future, and I have a hope and a promise. Hallelujah. 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 Well, let's pray this prayer. Let's just all pray this prayer. And if you mean it, a prayer does not save you, but, but, but opening your heart and your life up to Jesus. The Bible says, as many as receive him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. It's not receiving or prayer to prayer. It's receiving Christ into your life. It's receiving Christ. It's, it's a person. The Bible says you think you have life in these scriptures, but these scriptures, they speak of me. It's finding Christ. It's not finding a church. It's not being baptized. It's finding the living God. And the way to God is through His Son, Jesus Christ, is developing a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you get to know Him by reading His Word. You get to know Him by spending time in prayer with Him. And He is real. So let's just all pray this prayer right now and just ask God to, 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 to work on some people's lives here today. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Save me. Lord, put me on a solid and firm foundation that when the storms of life come, I will not be moved. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Record my name in the Lamb's book of life. And let me spend eternity with you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the word of God today. We thank you, God, for the way people worshiped in this place today, God. And we thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for the life that Angie 
Lord, uh, our sister in the Lord that we love dearly, God lived, uh, Lord, and we thank you for the testimony of the way she exited out of this world, God, with you on her heart and you on her mind and you on her lips. And God, we saw the same thing with Willie. We saw the same thing with others, Dale, Kittle, and others that you have taken home recently, God. And Lord, we just, uh, we're going to be faithful to serve you until you call us home. And so, Father, just be with us today, Lord, as we move into another exciting time, God, as where we go outside here in a moment and find out about new life coming into this world. We're so grateful, God, for the new babies that are being born into this church and new life that is coming, God. We're so grateful for that today, Lord, and we just thank you for it. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.